Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Franklin Weefold here. How are you doing, sir? Good. It's a special weekend for me. It's a, kind of a mini family reunion yeah. in celebration. And, I, you know, it's my show. Yeah, so go ahead. it's non-medical except that, you know, happiness yeah. is a great medicine, right? I, as far yeah, as doesn't I'm your family – isn't the family the happiest – the inducer of the most happiness in Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Anyway, so my daughter Emily is graduating from Cardinal Gibbons High School this weekend, actually tomorrow. Wow. It's going to be a Reynolds Coliseum of uh, uh, um, North Carolina State University. Yeah. And we got a lot of people in town. So I want to uh, shout out uh, my daughter, Megan Hannah Denexter, a.k.a. Peggy. She's here. And her husband, Neil Denexter, my my one of my favorite son-in-laws. I got two, so I I can't say which one is my favorite. I love them both. And then uh, my daughter Eleanor, uh, named after her grandmother. Yeah, and no, was a great grandmother. Yeah, named after her great grandmother. We call her Nani N O N N I E. I don't know how my we came up with that, but it's a great nickname. And her husband Andrew couldn't make it. So if he's listening from the great state of Georgia, Atlanta, we're shouting you out too. But I have to say this. Don't you think grandkids are better than kids? Yeah. 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 I mean, they're just better. I mean, you know, I just think all in all, and I I don't have any experience with great grandkids, but I think grandkids probably give you a sense that, you know, your legacy will go on, you know? So I have, I have Lily and she's the oldest and she's just sweet as all can be uh-huh. and uh, she's here and then Claire who's the baby grandchild and she's just a delightful happy you know Lily's happy too so I just want to shout you all out and tell you how much I love all of you yeah. and think that uh, the world is a happier place not just for me yeah. but for everybody because y'all are in the world good for you yeah good for you all right, so um, on the radio show today, we're going to talk about statins. Some people are complaining about the side effects. Of well, you know, and this is something that I just want to pound. If I can do this every show, yeah, I'm going to tell you the greatest advance in cardiology. I'm going to say this: there are great advances, okay, uh, a ton of them. But listen, the greatest advance in cardiology. The one drug that has saved more lives than you could possibly imagine, million, yeah, are statins. And we want to talk about this today because I think it's extremely important that people get out of their minds that these are dangerous drugs. They're not. They're just not. I, I read an article where a fellow had this opinion. Well, you know, maybe we should put it in the water. Well, and and you know that that's the whole point. And they're even thinking about making these medications over the counter. And right. I, I think that probably that's not a good idea. 
And I think that there are a lot of people who don't need them who are getting them. I mean, that's that's for sure. Okay. There are people whose cholesterols are above the quote-unquote normal range. Yeah. But they're never going to get heart disease. They're never going to get strokes because of their um, natural abilities. Um, how can I put this? Because of their DNA structure, they're just you know not going to do it. Right. They're not going to get it no matter what their cholesterol level is. And we have to be able to screen and figure out. And there are ways, unfortunately, insurance companies won't pay yet. But the CT scan I've talked about to find out how much calcium is in your artery, that's a direct correlation with whether you're at risk. And I think if you've had a CT scan that shows you've got a ton of you know calcium, which corresponds to the amount of cholesterol buildup in your arteries, then you are a prime candidate for prevention of death, prevention of heart attack with a statin. Now, so. some people say that there have there are side effects. Yeah, there are. Read the side effect profile for Tylenol, okay? Yeah. Uh, stroke, uh, liver failure, uh, death from liver disease, uh, bleeding, etc. Now, the you have to list these. It's a law. The FDA requires you to list. But what they don't do is tell you how rare these things are. So the major problem with Tylenol is if you take too much. You just right. got to follow the directions and don't take more than a, two grams a day, ever, yeah. ever. Yeah. And with the statins, you have to be monitored. I will tell you this right now. I would not give a statin to a patient that I'm not going to carefully monitor. Now, what's that monitoring? The first six weeks, you check the liver panel. Right. And you check the, the, the enzymes that can come from muscles that are damaged because very rarely... It's about one in 500,000 probably. Some would quote, you know, a greater risk than that. You can get what's called a myopathy. And believe me, I've had two patients who got what's called rhabdomyolysis. Um, Their muscles broke down, directly traced to a statin. Um, That's two out of what? I've probably treated 100,000 patients in my career. And so, yes, you have to monitor it. You have to monitor the liver. I have never had a patient with liver failure from a statin. Now that, not to say it doesn't happen, but it's extremely rare. What I have seen in my 30-some years of practicing medicine is a tremendous drop in the death rate from coronary artery disease. Now, it may have peaked up a little bit. Um, I'm not sure why. I don't think anybody really knows why. But when you compare it to 1980, I mean, that's before we even treated heart attacks. I can remember the first, you know, year of my internal medicine residency, you had a heart attack and we just put you to bed. And no. waited for the heart to heal. We did not have clot-busting drugs. Right. Um, in fact, it wasn't until the late 70s that someone proved that a heart attack was caused by a clot. And the guy got in trouble for it at his hospital. He said, okay, what I'm going to do is anybody having a heart attack, I'm going to put them in the cath lab and I'm going to squirt them. And by that I mean they did a cardiac catheterization right. and found that there was a complete obstruction of an artery by a clot. So that was the proof, and then they had a clot-busting medicine called streptokinase, and they started using that and started saving lives. Right. Well, then Goldstein, uh, there was another guy, I can't remember his name, at University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center, invented, figured out uh, a statin. And ever since then, uh, and ever since we you know, developed the other ones, and you know, the first one was Medicor, and then we got... Uh, Pravacol, Pravacol, and then we got um, Simvastatin, and this is, uh, I can remember when these all came out. 
Right. Then we got atorvastatin. Then we got uh, rosuvastatin, and and there's even more. Um, less call no, that that one's gone by the wayside. Um, and you know, Livolo is what I take because it has the fewest side effects. If you want a, a side effect free um, uh, statin, uh, ask your doctor for Livolo. It's just just amazing. Yeah. In fact, it's approved for people who have liver disease. Okay. Okay. So the point I'm trying to make is that you can't be afraid of statins. You have to be aware that your doctor should be monitoring you and in the first six weeks, check your blood. Yeah. The, first, the next six months, check it. And then depending upon whether anything is wrong or not, uh, the doctor may do it every six months or every year. But you're gonna see your risk of dying of a heart attack or developing a cholesterol blockage and having to have a stent or bypass surgery yeah. markedly reduced. I mean, I'm talking 50%, 60% reduced in combination with the other medicines you need to do, plus diet and exercise. Oh, so, come on. That's, come on. That's the hard part. No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's absolutely not the hard part. <laughs> but just, you know, the article came out, the muscle-related side effect. Now, there is an extremely rare uh, side effect. It's when your body produces in response to a statin yeah. an antibody. An autoantibody means it attacks you and attacks the muscle. Right. And that's the kind of myositis, uh, a muscle disease from a statin that can be very serious and lead to very serious long-term side effects. It's extremely rare. And uh, monitoring for this, uh, watching out for this, which I do, yeah. um, will lead to the discovery early enough that it can be treated and resolved. So um, I don't go as far as saying that they should put it in the water. I mean, that's the thing. It's a guy. Yeah. Um, and he has looked at uh, the chances of things going bad with people. And bottom line is, he says, let's just put it in the water. I well, don't now, agree with that. Now, there's, uh, there's precedent That's like fluoride, that. right? Right. We yeah. do that with fluoride, although... My parents' generation will tell you about the controversy that there was when they were going to put fluoride mm-hmm. in water. A lot of people objected to it, said it was a communist plot. Well, it probably was. Oh, it probably no, was. No, I'm you're kidding. Right. No, you're right. Did you ever see that movie, uh, Dr. Strangelove? Yes, yes. It's a great movie. Uh, it was a guy, the Colonel Jack D. Ripper. <laughs> And he was convinced <laughs> that his uh, precious bodily fluids had been destroyed. <laughs> By the communist plot to put fluoride in the water. Anyway, how many people die of of heart disease? 700,000 a year. Oh, my. All right, one in four deaths. And we have cut that from over 2 million. I think it was close to 1.8 million when I started this game. And it's just a a miracle, an absolute miracle drug. And probably, I will tell you this right now, there are going to be more miracle drugs to cut it even further. There's one that is a monoclonal antibody, and God help me, I can't remember the name, it's in tests right now, yes. that reduces a specific inflammatory response to atherosclerosis or cholesterol buildup. And, you know, inflammation's our big word here, the big I word. Right. And if you reduce cholesterol and inflammation, I mean, wow, we may be able to really, really decrease the risk. And so, please, if your doctor recommends a statin, take your statin. And if you develop muscle aches, uh, talk to your doctor. 
But remember, we've talked about this study, and I'm going to tell you the study that I think is the most important one in terms of people's, you know, um, uh, queasiness in taking a statin. They did a study, uh, 5,000 people, half got a placebo and were told it was a statin. Yes. Half got a statin and told it was a placebo. Yes. And the people who got muscle aches were not the statin-taking people told it was a placebo. It was the placebo-taking people who got um, who, uh, who actually got a statin. So they thought they were getting a placebo. I mean, I'm sorry, the other way around. Um, anyway, they, they were told they were getting a statin, and they got right. a placebo. Right. And because they were told they were getting a statin, they got the muscle aches. Okay, the ones who were told they were getting a placebo... Mm-hmm. And got a statin, did not have muscle ache. Yeah. So there is the power of the people's pharmacy who tell you, <laughs> don't take these drugs, they're poison. Well, if you think they're poison, you're going to have a reaction. Right. And just keep thinking to yourself, they're not poison. The doctor thinks Every- I need it and it's going to save my life. Every time I take my pills, I say that to myself. Yeah. It's not poison. It's not poison at all. Yeah, not at all. And I take a bunch of them. Yep. All right. So we're going to talk about. It's funny because in today's today's um, stack of research, mm-hmm. we re- uh, there were a couple of things that I have experience with. Not only did I understand the articles you sent me, <laughs> but amazingly, I. I have something to say about them. We're going to talk about migraines and lidocaine. Amazing. We're going to talk. You mentioned the word squirt uh, yep. just a little bit ago. Squirt we're gonna, soda. We're going to we're going to squirt today, and we're going to talk about my <laughs> one, my second favorite soft drink, right next to Coca Cola. All right. Most smokers do not get cancer. Yeah, and I, I, this is not. I want to talk about this because I'm not encouraging you to smoke. Right. But remember how Fauci said, I am science, okay? Yeah. The, the science that he talks about is fallible, okay? Right. That means it can be wrong. And what I want people to understand about this is that it's not safe to smoke, but it's not a death sentence. And we need to talk about this because there are scientific discoveries that will help us prevent the deaths from smoking. Okay. Okay. That's all coming up. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Every now and then, we find out about a bill that somebody's got from their doctor from the hospital. This one's out of line. It's getting ridiculous. Somebody was charged $40 for what? Crying. No. So what happened was they gave her the diagnosis and she was upset about it. Yeah. And she started crying. Apparently she cried for about a minute. A minute. Well, then, you know, she did well. She got better. But then she gets the bill. And there is a charge for emotion. It says that. Emotions. (laughs) And they charged her 40 bucks for crying. Now- for crying out loud, this is ridiculous. <laughs> right, right. Did you read down into the article where it explained why they had to? What did they say? It I got was, so upset with the article, I okay. quit it. It's because of the Affordable Care Act. 
What do you mean? There is a provision in the Affordable Care Act that says, essentially, if your patient faces an emotional crisis and demonstrates that emotional crisis, you must give them this checklist. You should ask them this series of questions. And in doing so, you have to charge them for it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what it is. So in other words, if you go to the doctor and you get bad news and you cry, they are obligated to do a sort of mini psychiatric test on you, which I understand why that somebody I would. I think it's crazy. That somebody you, would you say. You know that I'm required now to ask every patient yeah. if they are a victim of domestic abuse. Right, right. And so I try not to just say it. You yeah. know, are you a victim of domestic abuse? I try to say, hey, right. are you happy in your marriage? Blah, blah, blah. And it gets some people upset. Sure. And yeah, I'm yeah, crying. Yeah. I guess I should just say, are you a victim of domestic abuse? And I'm not making fun of domestic abuse. I'm no, just no, no, saying no. that there are certain things that they make us do that may not be germane right. to what we're talking and may interfere with the situation at hand. Right. Because then it gets into, you know, why is he asking me this? You know what? You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. If you no. think I'm wrong, call and explain. Okay. Um, I had to have surgery on my eye several months ago. Was that because you're a victim of domestic and, abuse? No. Was it a black eye? But my wife was sitting there in the hospital with me, and the nurse had to ask, do you feel safe at home? Uh, no. And I'm like, <laughs> well, no, but I'm not going to tell you while my wife is sitting here. She's the one who's Yeah, I you mean, know, you know, the reason why I don't me. feel safe at home is like she bought that bottle of arsenic, and now I can't find it, right. you know? That's right. It's just Or terrible. it's all used up. All right, so um, migraines and lidocaine. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, because one of the hardest things to do is to break a migraine that won't quit. Right. Okay, so migraines are caused when one of the arteries in your brain constricts and the other one dilates. Yeah. So you have a mismatch of blood flow, and for a lot of people, debilitating it's awful yeah. yeah so you know they can get flickers in their eyes because the blood flows uh, disturbed uh, it's called and they can get you know j- horrible headaches that can be a variable intensity but i've only had one migraine in my life and yeah. it was horrible yeah i mean i thought i was having a stroke i had these flickers in my vision and then just the the pain hit me now thankfully there are some new medicines out they've discovered that most migraines not all are associated with a protein uh, called calcitonin gene-related peptide. Yeah. And so they've developed medicines, two, three of which are monoclonal antibodies. They're artificially induced antibodies that bind either to the cell receptor for the calcitonin gene-related peptide or the calcitonin gene-related peptide itself, and it reduces the number of uh, migraines in most people substantially. Yeah. Now, there are pills... Uh, Ubrelvi and Nurtec, and they uh, inhibit the effect of the calcitonin gene-related peptide. They're fantastic. But even with these medications, you can get a refractory migraine. And what they've discovered, and I, you know, I, don't, I don't know the dose, the neurologists will be able to tell you, but it's a continuous infusion of lidocaine, like we used to give in heart attack patients. So heart attack patients before 
uh, we could treat them by opening up the clot, they would get ventricular tachycardia very frequently. You can still get it, but it's extremely rare. And we had to give lidocaine continuously to try to suppress this. And so they found that at certain levels of lidocaine in certain people, uh, for a certain period of time, Mm -hmm. uh, migraines can get control. And so how did we used to control them? Well, no, we still do. Yeah, It's Demerol and morphine. You have to take narcotics for it. And uh, here's one of the problems, is that people who have chronic severe migraines are right. being labeled as drug abuser. Uh. And so, you, you know, the ER almost, they even have signs now, you will not get narcotics here. Huh. They won't even, get, you know, if you have a migraine... They'll give you some intravenous Toradol, which is intravenous Advil, basically. Right. Um, they'll maybe get somebody to rub the side of your head and maybe s- sing sweet nothings into your ear. But I'm telling you, there's a real, real overreaction to uh, opioids in emergency pain situations. Right. Are there drug abusers and drug seekers? Absolutely. But, you know, a person with a refractory migraine being refused a narcotic of any way, shape, or form. Right. I think we need to take a step back and ask ourselves, are we overreacting? But needless to say that, the lidocaine seems to be a promising thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not approved by the FDA yet. Uh, they need more studies. But the initial studies are very promising. Yes, I, that's, a, that's a condition that I've been told is totally debilitating. That awful. you have got to you know, you, get you, something. You've got to go into that. a dark room. Yeah. And, you know the problem is it just it just takes away your entire life. Right. Because you can't do anything but think of this pain. All right. Rose Hoban is coming up on the show. She has authored an article along with someone else with NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Lots of buzz about North Carolina Senate. Republicans and the Medicaid expansion bill. As you know, she's sort of our uh, our expert on what's going on in uh, state government. We'll talk with her. Also, we're going to talk about um, colonoscopy clinics. They're the new dot com. I'll explain what I mean about that. That there's some significant investment being made in colonoscopy clinics, as in they're all being bought up. And we'll tell you why in just a little bit. Also, Rose is coming up. This is Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. And uh, we welcome Rose Hoban from NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. She's sort of our policy expert um, oh, she's an expert in a lot of things. She, she is. Yeah, she, she I is. mean, she's a nurse. She, uh, nurses are awesome, and they know a lot. Hi, Rose. Hey. So you've written a couple of articles, or at least contributed to one, about North Carolina Senate Republicans and the Medicaid expansion bill. Dr. Weefald wants to surprise everybody with this. Okay, this Republican is for Medicaid expansion. <laughs> How about You're that? not alone. Yeah, You're that's what alone. I'm saying. Yeah. Tell us what t- you got a great article. Tell us what's going on. So, uh, first off, there's been a sort of a, a growing group of conservatives and like business leaders and Republicans who are coming out to say, yeah, to Medicaid expansion. As a matter of fact, 
that something that you know you you get the stories get long and so you don't cram everything um uh in there but there is a, a an organization called the Carolina Partnership for uh reform and they even they've been pretty uh staunchly against Medicaid expansion for a long time right but they talked about just this past week, they put out a post talking about the fact that um, the majority of Republicans support Medicaid expansion. Wow. And, you know, it's it's and it's about the fact that, um, you know, it's a good deal. Um, we we spend a lot of state dollars to do things like manage uh, mental health issues. But a lot of those people would qualify for a Medicaid expansion because primarily the folks who would qualify are people who earn, so like a family of four, they earn between like $20,000 and $40,000, right? These are very rough. And so those are folks that like, they're the people who work in a laundromat. They're farm workers. They're frequently, they're ministers and, you know, pastors' families. They're, um, you know, so there's childcare workers. So a lot of those folks then don't have health insurance. They let things go, um, and then they get sick, and they end up in the emergency room, which is the most expensive way to get care. Sure. And if they're uninsured, then uh, a lot of that care and a lot of that cost, excuse me, ends up um, at the, you know, on the on the balance books of um, of the local hospital. Right. So this has been a long-standing debate. Um, you know, part of what uh, Senate Leader Phil Berger, who's a Republican from Eden, that's out in Rockingham County, mm-hmm. um, what he was saying is that you know he's changed his mind and he explained his rationale for changing his mind. You know, the Medicaid expansion population would be paid for by the federal government would pay ninety percent. Yeah. Right now, as a state, we pay about 72, we, uh, the feds pay 72% of the tab for these expansion patients. Right. Um, and, but, you know, because they're, they fall in with everyone. And what's happened also is that because of with Congress, at the very beginning of the pandemic, they didn't want people to not have a way of getting care. So they told state Medicaid programs, you cannot disenroll anybody who, 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 because they lose their job or whatever, ends up qualifying for Medicaid. So we've right. acquired like a good 600,000 people um, on the state's Medicaid program because of this this uh, restriction by Congress. Right. So we've been paying 17% more for them for the past two years than we would have had we expanded before. Um, then, you know, Senator Berger also made the point that we've now... Uh, transformed the Medicaid program from a fee-for-service program to a managed care program that's run by, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, commercial insurers. Yeah. And uh, so he feels like that makes it more fiscally responsible. Um, He had a couple of other reasons why he's changed his mind. Um, So the thing about this bill that they introduced, though, is that they've stuffed a bunch of other things into the bill. So it's not just a bill that expands Medicaid. Uh-oh, what are, we, what are we stuffing into it? We're stuffing into it the bill that we've talked about in the past, which would 
uh, give more practice leeway to advanced practice nurses. All right. They stuffed into it something called, and I didn't even get to this really in my story, but they've stuffed in um, largely a repeal of the Certificate of Need program, which is the way that it's a really complicated regimen of laws that kind of keeps us from having like a hospital in every town or like an MRI on every yeah. corner. Yeah. Um, right. So they, it, it really guts that. Um, and, um, and it, and they stuffed in, um, and also a big tax hike on hospitals. So the hospitals, it's sort of something for everyone to do. Wow. Okay. So, um, and so it's going to, but these are some reforms that the Senate would want. Now, um, you know, a bunch of reporters were hanging around at the state house the other day and, uh, word came down to the press room that, um, uh, speaker of the house, Tim Moore would have a gaggle. So a bunch of us went upstairs and he spent 25 minutes just chatting with members of media and in a very wide ranging conversation and, but you know the top of the top of mind was the was the um the conversation about medicaid expansion and he was pretty clear that the house is not ready to do this bill in uh, the legislative short session which we're in like he was saying we want to be done by early july which is oh last time i checked that's only 5 weeks away and there's a lot of thorny policy issues that people want to you know, wrestle with. So it's it's not a um, not a slam dunk. Okay, so we might not get an expansion. So folks who are waiting for this expansion, generally modest income people, might not get Correct. it in the next Correct. few months. Okay. Correct. Right. And that then it would. So people in the house have been saying, "Well, we'll do a special session in the fall," which people in the Senate are like, "No." And then, so then what's the next opportunity? We're looking at January. Well, by then, we hope that the federal state of emergency will have ended and all of those extra people who've had Medicaid, remember, many of those are folks who would get it, the expansion Medicaid. Right. They will be disenrolled. Yeah, so somebody's got to come in and save them. Right. And then the other thing is that the across the state, county directors of social services are, you know, because all this, like 600,000 people, mm-hmm. you know, since they were not part of the Medicaid program initially, like, we don't have as much paperwork on them. We don't have, and so they're going to have to, they've got this huge mountain of paperwork that they'll have to do to either re-enroll or disenroll these people. Most of the, for most of them, they're going to do all this paperwork just to kick them off the program. Yeah. And the okay. social service directors are like, oh, my gosh, there's all this work. Please just expand now so we don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I want everybody to go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. There's an extra special article that we don't have time to get into. But you cover a uh, group that has been passing out baby formula. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And how did they get it? It's in it's in uh, um, Charlotte area. Charlotte, yeah. In Charlotte, they they um, uh, took some money that they had, and they spent seventy thousand dollars to buy it. And I think most of it came from the airlift that's happening, right? So there's 
other countries where we've been buying right. baby formula from other yeah. countries. Right. Well, you know, we can't we can't get the French baby formula. They won't let us import well, this is that. Nestle, Nestle, oh. Nestle and Gerber, and um, there was this uh, uh, the the federal operation fly formula. Yeah. Wow. Um, so they've been getting um, Nestle from Germany, and they've been getting um, let me see Gerber. Um, and they've been getting um, a couple of others, uh, and then there's an Abbott, um, which is the manufacturer. And we talked about mm-hmm. this last week, right? Like yeah. that they had this one big plant in in Michigan that manufactured like eighty percent of the Similac yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been sending formula from one of their Irish plants. Faith and Begora. Uh, yeah. Is it is it like uh, Irish yeah. coffee? They got a little bit of. No, uh, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Tastes like Bailey's. <laughs> I think I think what they had to call the French one is wee wee because it <laughs> oh, helps your baby wee wee. <laughs> All right, Rose, I gotta say, say goodbye because he's off topic again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you, Rose. North Carolina Health News dot org. Uh, for all your policy and health information. 919-860-9783 is our telephone number. Always call between noon and 2 on a Saturday. Colonoscopy is the new dot com. Yeah. Because what? Financial people are throwing yeah, money at it? It's very disturbing to me. Uh um, you know, these private equity groups, they're in it for four years yeah. and they want to maximize profits and then sell. So what they've known uh, for the past 10 years is that colonoscopy numbers are on the huge rise. Okay. And the reason is that Medicare now pays for the colonoscopy as a screening procedure. Uh, and if you have a polyp, then you got to have another one in three years and then you got to have another one, et cetera. So it's the, it's the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. Um, I've been through three or four, and my polyps are gone. So, Good therefore, my risk of developing cancer of the colon is very low. I think they're going to even expand it to younger people. Uh, younger people are getting colon cancer now at a higher rate. People in their mm. 20s and 30s. Mm. But since they're going to have so many more colonoscopies, these private equity groups are buying up private gastroenterology practices that do them in their own office, Uh, okay? And you can really maximize profits by doing that. You can lay off a bunch of people who work there, which is their number one way of reducing costs, and then uh, you basically charge more for the anesthesia, and you charge as much as you can for the colonoscopy, and all those profits uh, go to the private equity group. Uh, the physician becomes an employee at a negotiated salary. Mm-hmm. And well, I think with some incentives, I guess. But it takes away all of his his or her burden of billing and collecting. Yeah. And lets uh, he or she just be a physician, which is what the hospitals are saying uh, and in terms of recruiting physicians out of private practice. Um, I'll tell you right now, I will never do it. No. Uh, I love being independent. I love being in control i hate the paperwork yeah but for me the burden of that is worth the benefit right i mean i can walk in there in my scrubs and nobody can tell me to go home and put a tie on um i can take the day off when i want to right 
and I can tailor my practice and do things that I want to do. And I can treat people for free when I want to. Uh, I can tell you right now, a private yeah. equity group. Yeah, they're not. You good. don't have insurance. Yeah. And they won't even take cash. Really? It's the most amazing thing. Really? Yeah. It's like, have you ever gone and tried to buy a car for cash? No, I've never. It's had almost that. like they won't let you do it. And you know yeah. why? Why? Because they make their money on the financing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay? All right. And so, I mean, I had a guy, I told him, I'm going to bring in a suitcase full of cash. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, let me have your social security number. I'll run you through, you know, to get you no, credit no, no, approved. I said, no. no, I'm paying cash. Oh, well, let me just run you. Th and then I get there. Yeah. And they say, you don't want to pay cash. You want to pay this. And I say, why? And they say, well, um, you know. So it's like anything else. Um, they won't take you in their health care facility. Right. Even if you want to pay cash. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's weird. crazy. All right. So colonoscopy centers yeah. or butts are us are, are you know they're being a chain they're a chain yeah yeah okay i wonder who the mascot's gonna be i don't even who would think you be, about it who would your mascot be i think it would be a snake right for for a colonoscopy yeah, center yeah, sammy the snake i will tell you that one time somebody said mr alexander you have to have a uh Something called a flexible sigmoid. They don't do those anymore. They don't do that. Well, here's the thing. What I learned was the reason they call it flexible sigmoid is because they used to call it rigid sigmoid. Oh, I did. I which was, was taught which was how the, to do them. It was, it was a more appropriate word, and nobody signed up for them. Uh, I had to do them. In you fact, did. that was one of our screening tools as a resident. Yeah. And I, I tell you something right now, there was no sedation for that. Yeah, yeah. It no, was no. it was nope. Doctor Bend, no Doctor Bendover, and he taught me how to do it. <laughs> All right, this is a terrible, <laughs> terrible topic. We got to move on to better okay. topics. Um, we're going to talk in just a little bit about cancer uh, smokers. Most smokers actually don't get cancer. I have uh, in some insight into this. Yeah. Uh, also, we're going to talk to somebody or talk about somebody who. <laughs> who came into Dr. Weefald's office and said he listened to the Dave Alexander show. Yeah. <laughs> and that's coming up next. This is Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio. Trying to remember that. Three common names. Heart Health Radio. So if you come into Dr. Weefold's office, you know that you can, you, you actually ask, yeah, how did so you Howard, hear about the Howard office? Howard Goodman, great guy. We had yeah. a great time, you know, going over his health. And yeah. I, I, I glanced down at the sign-in sheet. We have this sheet that, you know, say, how did you hear about us? And he said, well, I listened to the Dave Alexander show, ah. making your heart great. I wasn't going to say anything. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then at the end of it, you know, I said, oh, I see that you've heard my show. And he's smiling. And he did it on purpose because he knows, you know, that it really is, you know, Dr. Yeah. Franklin Weefald yeah, yeah, with yeah, Dave Alexander. It's your show, yeah. But, you know, no, it's not. It's our <laughs> show. But, you know, he's got, Dave does another show after this. It's called Making Your Home or House, Making Your Home Great. Home Great, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so every now and then he has a brain 
F-A-R-T. Yes, And says making your heart great. But anyway, uh, Howard's a great guy, and I, I thought that that was the sweetest thing that That's he wonderful. knew. Well, he thought I'd get upset about it. I laughed my you-know-what off, my colonoscopy entrance port off. <laughs> And, you know, it was funny. The other one, I, I got an email yeah. from uh, one of our listeners, Ronald Herod, and uh, he's heard me talk about Squirt, which is uh, <laughs> a very great soft drink. You get it in Mexico much quicker or easier than you can get it in the United States. It's yeah. very popular. Yeah. And the Mexican Squirts have cane sugar, um, just like the Mexican Coca-Colas, yeah. as opposed to the American uh, sweetened drinks, which have... Uh, the uh, fructose, high fructose corn syrup made right. from corn. Right. Anyway, yeah. he wanted to uh, tell me that he's a diabetic and he likes squirt. Right. And did I know of a sugar-free squirt? And unfortunately, I don't make it. But I can do what I don't recommend doing, okay? One of the things I don't like about the commercials for the continuous glucose monitors, the CGMs, yeah. um, Dexcom, and what's I always forget the other name. Freestyle, Freestyle Libra. Libra. I've got okay, right so the commercial is this really heavy set guy. He's got in front of him a banana split and yeah. a Coca Cola. Yeah. And he's checking his sugar and checking it twice. Yes. He's going to be naughty, not nice. And he gives himself some extra insulin and then, you know, powers into the banana split and the Coca Cola. Yeah. All right. So, Mr. Herod Ronald, um, here's what you might do if you were, you know, not following Weefald's direction. Yeah. There is a way that you count uh, carbs and then administer enough insulin to cover them. Now, I don't even know if Mr. Herod's on insulin, right? Right. But there's a formula, and for the average person, um, it's 55 divided by the number of grams of carbohydrate. Yeah. So I just looked it up. Squirt, 12 <laughs> ounces, 38 grams of carbohydrate, of which... All of it is sugar. Yes. And you yes. know that sugar is the bad word because yes. sugar leads to obesity uh-huh. and it leads to inflammation. Yeah. But if you really want to, it's about 1.6 units. Now, I don't know if you can measure out 1.6, but it's not that much. It's a couple of units of regular hum- or a fast-acting hemolog. Right. And, you know, you know, you know what squirt is? It's a grapefruit-based uh, soft drink. And you know why it was developed? No. Because in World War II, there's a shortage of Coca-Cola. And you know why? Hmm. They shipped it all to the soldiers. Oh, of course they, they did. Would yeah. get, they would get a ration of Coke yeah. and uh, a carton of uh, cigarettes. The uh, enlisted <laughs> men and women got a carton of camels. Of course, yes. unfiltered. Yes. And uh, uh, officers, what did they get? I don't know. Lucky strikes. Really? Lucky strikes. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Good I want to tell everybody out there, I'm down to five luckies a day. Oh, yeah. I am. Well, all right. Let's 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 mention it now. Easing into that topic. Yeah. Most smokers do not the actually vast majority get do not. cancer. Yeah. They might get COPD or guess what? They might get nothing. Right. And uh, there is a uh, disease um, that called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. Alpha-1 antitrypsin is a protein in your lung that helps repair damage. And when you have no alpha-1 antitrypsin, yeah. you get COPD and horrible lung disease, well, bad lung disease, when you're in your 20s and late teens. So you know the lung is constantly being assaulted by the things you inhale, uh, right. the p- particulates from a diesel engine, uh, the dust on the road. Um, you know, dust is very corrosive. Right. 
and we inhale it all the time. And our, we have we have physical protective mechanisms, mucus, right? Sure. So mucus traps these things, and you cough them out. Um, they have cilia, which are little tiny uh, hairs that uh, that take the particulates and sort of um, you know uh, like a Grab mosh pit, Grab move them, them out. Yeah. yeah. And then you have DNA repair, and DNA is damaged by the stuff that's in cigarette smoke, and they think it's. Um, kind of weak DNA repair right. that leads to cancers in uh, smokers. Now, remember that if you don't smoke, you can still get lung cancer. And I've had five classmates from Princeton die of lung cancer yeah. since we graduated, and yes. not a single one of them smoked. So the bottom line, and why am I saying this, is that there can be, from this, a benefit, and that would be uh, developing medications uh, you know, ways to enhance DNA repair so that even if people smoke because they can't stop. Right. And believe me, there are some, and we should not, you know, be angry at them. Mm -hmm. It's it's very hard for some people to stop. We can help them by preventing them from getting cancer or, you know, and prevention is you just, you don't want to get cancer. Right. Uh, you can, there are lots of things you can do to treat it. I've got patients who've had two lung cancers. And wow. are doing well now, yeah. uh, and are are cured, but you just don't want to smoke. Don't. But if there are some who can't stop, hopefully, there will be ways to prevent them by understanding the 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 faulty repair mechanisms that we that they can have in their lungs that lead to cancer. But smoking is still an increased risk. Oh, much factor so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. what emphysema, emphysema, heart disease. heart disease. No, smoking is horrible yeah. for you, okay. no matter okay. what. But what I'm saying is uh, we'll learn something by studying how uh, the minority of smokers get lung cancer and, yeah. and prevent it and, and treat it, hopefully, in others. Uh, radon is a huge thing in Jersey, yeah. New Jersey. And, yeah. you know, I've had two people from Jersey get lung cancer and they never smoked. So, you know, um, living in the big city is equivalent. In New York, in terms of the damage to your lungs and the types of carcinogens, yeah. those are chemicals that cause cancer, is equivalent to smoking five cigarettes a day. Huh. So I live in Raleigh, and I basically live in New York because yeah. I smoke five cigarettes a day. Oh, well. well. Yeah, it's Take bad. Care Don't of the do rest it. Don't do what I do. Don't do what you do? Don't do what I do. Okay. Don't do what I do. Don't eat pasta so much. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. My, you know, my health. I tell you, I love pasta. Have been What's your favorite pasta dish? I just like spaghetti. I just like fettuccine alfredo with chicken and broccoli. Oh, but I tell you, there's nothing like there's nothing like the bolognese, which is the red sauce with meat in it over spaghetti. You know what else is good? What's that? Is over macaroni because then you can sit in front of the TV. In a, with it in a bowl. Yeah, not and look. eat it with a spoon. Yeah, not So it look. doesn't fall over you. That is so smart. Yeah. I would, ne see, this is the stuff you mm -hmm. learn on yeah. this show, that the best way to eat macaroni it's is with a spoon. A, with a spoon. Absolutely. Watching TV. Absolutely. Okay, all right. Out of Sounds a bowl. Sounds good. We're going to talk about, I can't believe we're going to talk about this. You mentioned, you spelled it F-A-R-T-S. Yeah. Is it healthy to smell them. That's coming up on Hard Health Absolutely. Radio. 
Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. I just learned something new. There is a medical term for passing gas. Flatus. Flatus. F-L-A-T-U-S. So Okay, so what's what's the medical term for a hiccup? I don't know. Singletus. Really? Yes. Singletus. Same thing as a, a fetus. If you have a one baby fetus, it's a singletus. Okay. Same as a hiccup. Really? I guess. Flatus. Flatus. I thought what I think is funny is that the word for passing gas is so similar to the word for blowing up a balloon. I guess it's an inflatus. Oh, inflatus. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So the but you know we're supposed to use Anglo-Saxon words, and that's what they're encouraging us. Right. Right. So instead of saying myocardial infarction, you say heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of atherosclerotic accumulation, you say blockage. Right. Okay. And so why not use the term fart? I mean, and you know, if, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Everybody does. Right. And, and even women. You right. know, you ask a woman if she's having trouble passing gas. Yeah. They get really upset. Yeah. I don't do that. No. You don't no, pass no. gas. Yeah, you do. 14 times a day. 14 times. And if you don't, there's something you're keeping inside of you. Now, is that self reported or is that. We follow people around. How do Scient- you do that? Science says you fart 14 times a day. How do you know that? Because they've asked people. And they've had, in the hospital, you know, they've counted. You know? Oh, there goes another one, room 16. <laughs> We're not going in there for about 10 minutes. <laughs> you know? These are hydrogen sulfide detectors. <laughs> you know, red lights are flashing. <laughs> No, I mean we laugh about it because we're not supposed to talk about it. And, right. You know, okay. listen, it's it's important. You got to let that gas out of you. But now they're saying, if you do it, you might as well smell it. He who smelt it dealt it. Right. <laughs> All these great things from childhood. Right. It, yes. The other term is toot. You ever heard that? Toot. Yes, that's what we call yeah. it in our the family. The more you yes. beans, beans, good for your health. The more you eat, the more you toot. All I know yeah. is that my granddaughters now know that term. Toot. And they'll yeah. they'll identify somebody and they'll say, Pop tooted. <laughs> yeah. They think it's the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. Well All anyway, right. yeah. hydrogen sulfide gas, that's what makes it smell like eggs. Okay. All right. And apparently they're you know, mitochondria, they are the uh, energy producer inside your cells. Our cells have mitochondria. Yeah. And they all come from mommy. You know? You don't get any mitochondria from your dad. They okay. they have their own DNA and it, everything. Yeah. But apparently, they need to produce hydrogen sulfide gas mm-hmm. in order to produce energy. Right. So they think it's good for your mitochondria. The other thing that it's good for is dilating your arteries. Uh, that's good because it reduces <laughs> the chance you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke. Um, I tell you, though, most of the time, your arteries are dilating when you're passing out. So, you know, do you have a really, na- you smell a really nasty fart and you're about to pass out, it's actually good for you because your arteries are dilated. Well, the only bad thing is when you hit your head on a concrete floor and have the <laughs> intracranial hemorrhage. It also, it also helps uh, to 
practice your your tear ducts that if you haven't cried in a while, smelling water yeah. will make you cry. And Listen, there you go. I cried this morning. You cried this morning. You know what I watched this morning? I watched Field of Dreams. Oh. Have you seen that? Yes. What a great movie. Yeah. The only thing that I couldn't figure out is that here he has this 2,000 acres of corn. Yeah. Did you ever see him do anything to to to, to no. maintain it? No. Yeah, he's just out there. He's he would sit around. around and right. he'd talk with the other farmers and then he'd build a corn, I mean, a baseball <laughs> field. And, you know, farming is extremely hard work. Right. And it's extremely complicated. Right. I mean, you got to know exact right amount of fertilizer. You got to... You know, you got to watch your costs and stuff like that. You got to go out there and weed and put right. herbicides mm-hmm. and pesticides. Hey, he's just sitting around. Okay. You know, how do you do that? But it's part of the movies. But yeah, it's about fathers and sons, really. Because that's the whole point of it. Right. Is that uh, he built it. He would, you know, if you build it, he will come. Yeah. Who was he? It was his dad, not Shoeless Joe. Shoeless Joe came. But the whole point of the movie was healing his relationship bad relationship with his father yeah and that's why they have all these field of dream um you know uh get-togethers on father's day Hmm. and when they had the 25th anniversary it was father's day so if you get a chance to watch that movie and i listen my tear ducts got work got got a workout today because it is such a touching story that's good i recommend the movie highly and ray liotta was in it we lost ray liotta this yeah. is probably why That's it was a good on thing. your yeah. cable. Yeah, boy, did he look young in that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he was really good, too. Um, he had, a, a, I guess, a heart attack in his sleep. It, 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 this is not the first person I've ever heard of who died in his sleep. Yeah. But is that common? Uh, Yeah, I, I don't know how common it is. I guess I need to look it up. But I tell you, it's the best way to go, in my opinion. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'd, yeah. you know, in terms of getting killed in a car wreck or right. falling right. out of an airplane, you know, All I right. think so that'd there's, be a nice way to go. So there's a study that says natural immunity from COVID uh-huh. is far better than yeah. the vaccine immunity. And guess who discovered it or figured it out? Who? Fauci's lab. Oh, really? Here he is screaming yeah. at, you know, uh, what's that congressman's name? Um, Rand Paul. Yeah. Screaming yeah. at Rand Paul that even if you've had COVID, you need to have 17 vaccines and then you need to walk down the hallway with a needle in your arm. And if you pass somebody, inject some more vaccine. I'm being <laughs> hyperbolic here. But his own group proved what Rand Paul said. Yeah. Is that natural immunity is stronger immunity it's more protective immunity than vaccines. Now, it is true if you've had COVID and you get the vaccine, you do have even stronger immunity. But, you know, this is the whole point. I'm science. Right. I can say what I say goes. I'm the Pope and I'm infallible. And his own people, his own group figured it out. So you wonder whether he's going to call up Rand Paul and apologize. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. And they're not on each other's Christmas lists either. Yeah. They are, they are dropping yeah, that. Absolutely. It only makes sense that having a disease would then inspire your your body yeah, to because, re, reject right, the disease it's not, next time. And, and the thing is, it's not just antibodies. We've talked about this before. Yeah. T cells. They are the white blood cells that swarm over right. uh, a 
a virus or a bacteria and chomp it to death. Yeah. And so they have memory too. And when you've had an infection, the T cells, as opposed to just a single, you know, protein, which isn't a vaccine, yeah. were produced by the messenger RNA vaccines, it's not a true organism. Right. So your T cells aren't going to be primed to kill it. And if you've had it, uh, the the virus, if you've had COVID-19, it just makes sense, you know? But no, it's not. The vaccine is better. That's just proven wrong. And right. now proven right. wrong by his own people in his own lab. Right. It's well, that's good. It's ridiculous. That's good. All right. There's a fellow running for Senate, I guess in Pennsylvania. Uh, his name is John Fetterman. Yeah. John Fetterman had a stroke. Yeah. They announced that he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. They said it was a minor stroke. And then and he said it was caused by atrial fibrillation. Right. Now, here's the fun part about the article. I got to the point of stroke and said, wait a minute. I wonder if his stroke is because of atrial fibrillation. Right. I even knew what that was yeah. and predicted it. In fact, that's what it was about. Then he got a... Uh, an implanted uh, device, a pacemaker. Yeah. And now, so everybody's going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, what, stroke? And then he had a pacemaker, doesn't make any sense. Right. Okay, atrial fibrillation is the disease, the syndrome, when the upper chamber of your heart, the atria, which, which you know, um, pump blood into yeah. the ventricles, which then pump them, uh, right ventricle to the lungs and the left ventricle to your body. Now, yeah. AFib is when the electricity is going haywire. Your whole heart is shuddering and fluttering. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's dangerous, number one, it can make your heart go too fast. AFib is 300 beats, 400 beats a minute mm. on the top. And if that electricity can squirt down there to the bottom of the ventricle, sometimes you're going 150 beats a minute on the bottom too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not good, okay? Your heart's going too fast. But the most dangerous thing is that blood is not flowing smoothly in the top part of your heart, it's sort of swirling and and pooling, and that can cause clots. Mm-hmm. And then they break off and go to the brain. So that's what I think happened to this politician. Now, why did he get a pacemaker? Well, right. sometimes the AFib can make your heart go too fast. Right. And then sometimes the electricity flowing to the bottom goes too slow. So here's the conundrum. If you give the medicine to slow down the fast, but you also have slows, then your heart's going to really go slow. Right. And so they put the pacemaker in not to cure the AFib, but to prevent the heart from going too slow at those times when the electricity just can't get down to the bottom. Right. And then they can give you the medicine or, if necessary, to do an ablation uh, to, and that's when you actually go up with a wire Right. a soft tube, and zap the AFib so the normal electricity can take over. So it makes sense that he had a pacemaker. A lot of people with atrial fibrillation will wind up needing pacemakers because they go tacky Brady. That's that's Greek. It's yeah. all Greek to me. Tacky is too fast, and Brady is too slow. Okay. So you get the pacemaker to prevent the Brady's, and then they can treat the tacky's either with an ablation and or certain medicines. And those medicines tend to slow the heart down. So makes sense. It was a weird story yeah, because there you. were a lot of doctors chiming yeah. in saying, wait, that's the wrong treatment for what they've said he has. Yeah, so it's part of the treatment. Okay. It's not the only treatment. It's 
It's part of the whole program. Okay. And they got with the program. Well, we got to hesitate to to sort of poke into other people's medical business no, and try to think, figure no, out. No, I'm glad you brought up the story yeah. because it, it probably was confusing to some. And maybe even, you know, they snickered and said, you know, maybe uh, they did this and it doesn't make sense. But it does. Um, and again, I don't know all the details of this right. gentleman's uh, history, but in explaining what could have been the reasons, it, it makes more sense to people. At one point in his life, he weighed almost 400 pounds. Yeah, it's a big guy. This clearly was a risk factor oh, yeah. for him Absolutely. in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting anyway. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about somebody who sued a hospital because of sepsis. sepsis. You're going to give us a, yeah. a hint about what to yeah. look for. And what you can do. When uh, you, you know your your loved one is sick with an infection, and they're not doing anything about it. All right. The article, the, uh, another article tells me to eat an egg every day. Yeah. Eat an egg. We'll talk about yeah. why in just a little bit. Here is our telephone number. Call right now. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is making your home great. Sorry, this is Heart Health Radio. <laughs> I did it again. Did you do that on purpose? I did. Yeah. No, I didn't okay. do it on purpose. Hey, guess what? We're going to be, along with the Making Your Home Great people, we're going to be at the Man Expo. The Man Show. Yeah. It's going to be a fun time that is next weekend at the, the, at the fairgrounds in Raleigh. Come on out and see us and all the other exhibits. Absolutely. It'll be very... It would be a lot of fun. Jason in Durham, thank you very much for calling. You are on the radio now. Hi, Jason. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What's going on? So my uh, cholesterol numbers were up, and I started taking Crestor, uh, and then we just rechecked them, and they're all much better, Yeah. which is encouraging. Um, but I hear these ads on the radio for the heart scan, and I think Dr. Weefall mentioned those right. from time to time, is there any point in getting a heart scan for calcium uh, ratings if I don't have any symptoms or active problems? Is there any point in getting a yes, scan? I get yes, absolutely. Now, yeah. uh, this is not part of the, you know, uh, cognoscenti powers that be, but I think... Everybody should get one. Yeah. Now, you have to pay for it. But if you call around um, the Heart and Body Scan Company, yeah. Raleigh Radiology, Wake Radiology, they offer for about 100 bucks. Now, make sure they don't talk you into getting these fancy-pantsy, really expensive ones. Like, you don't need the CT angiogram. Okay, what we're doing with this is screening you for the amount of cholesterol in your arteries to the heart. It doesn't say how much 
the blockage is, okay? It could be a 20% blockage. Mm -hmm. But when you add up all that calcium, it's called an agastin score. And according to your, your other risk factors and your age, it can tell you what percentage group you're in uh, for risks of a heart attack in the future. Now, you know, it's all by age, okay? So if you are 20 and your calcium score is 100, that's a big risk. Yeah. If you are 90 and your calcium score is 500, that's a very low risk. And the other thing is um, I know people who are my age whose calcium scores are zero. Hmm. Zero. Now, it's always possible that you can have non-calcified blockages. That's extremely rare. It's more likely you have a non-calcified blockage when you're very young. But it tells me as a physician how aggressive to be in treating someone's cholesterol. And so I think it's a wonderful test as part of your assessment for your risk. And that would also include your blood pressure, the presence or absence of diabetes, your mm-hmm. family history. And you know, I gotta go out of the limb. I think the family history is the most important thing. I'm a big genetic predisposition guy. Uh, smokers, um, sedentary lifestyle, obesity, um, and those, and whether you eat a lot of sugar, uh, whether your inflammation is very high. These are all factors that go into our assessment uh, as a physician of your risk. So, yeah, 100 bucks. the amount of uh, radiation is extremely small. Yeah. And I would recommend it for everybody. You get that once every well, now and then, yeah. a couple and if of years? If you got a lot of calcium, yeah. then you go on intensive you know, therapy, exercise, diet, yeah. uh, cholesterol medication if necessary. And then you get it rechecked in a couple of years. And you watch the score okay. go down. Mine Jason, went from 250 right. to 50. Jason, if you get this done, I want to hear yeah. from you and get those numbers to the doctor. And he'll... He'll give you some some information, well, I'll give you some, some questions, yeah, some information. But you know, you really need to get all this from your physician face to face. Right, Jason. Thank you. That's great. Thanks. Great day, James in Raleigh. Hi, welcome to the show. How you doing, James? I'm doing well. Hope you are. Good. What's up? This is my favorite show. I love to hear the doctor. He's got a great sense of humor. He does. He's a good doctor and a good southern doctor. So what's up? I have a AFib. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they put me on a, a diddle-fide or something or another. Dofetilide. Yes. Yeah. And they did a ablation. Yeah, great. Ablation or a Ablation. Didn't work. Well, sometimes it don't. Uh, did they try again? Well, I had to go through all that crap. And it don't work. Well, hey, you know, listen, ain't nothing guaranteed, but but I'm going to tell you something right now. There's two things you can do, okay? One is just don't do it and see what happens. Uh, the second thing is do it again. Um, there are a lot of times uh, that uh, doesn't work the first time. It can be from several reasons. Number one, uh, they couldn't find it. They, they couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's operator dependent. You know what that means? Yeah. Some of them are better than others. Okay. You got to find the right doctor in the right spot. What do you yeah. say? Say that James. He changed your med. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. there's that. Yeah. And so, um, did you ever have a cardioversion where they hook you up the jumper cables? I don't know. 
Yeah, that's when they they put you to sleep. Open heart surgery. He had open oh, yeah. heart. Yeah. yeah, he had open. Um, when was that? Oh, 10, 12 years ago. Okay. So there, there are several reasons why it didn't work. The open heart surgery can produce scars in the atria, okay? Because when they do the open heart surgery in 12 years ago, they put you on the heart-lung bypass machine. Mm-hmm. And they, they sew these tubes into your atria to shunt the blood out into the external uh, heart-lung machine. So that can form scars. And that can, either, can cause AFib. And then it's very difficult to treat. But like I said, if your AFib is symptomatic, if it needs to be ablated, um, I got two recommendations. Uh, Ask the doctor if trying again would be worth it. And then the other thing to do is get a second opinion. Now, I had a lady who had a really bad case of an electrical problem. It was called right ventricular outflow tract tachycardia. Sure it was. And that means that in the right ventricle, there was an area that was speedy, 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 Mm -hmm. and she would pass out. So I sent her to somebody, and they tried to do an ablation. They couldn't get it done, and they put a defibrillator in her. Yeah. Well, what did that happen? I mean, the meds weren't working. That thing was going off twice a week, three times a week. Oh, my. You're getting kicked in the chest. So I did something that ticked off the first doctor. I sent her to another one. Uh, a different guy, and he did it. Yeah. And he fixed it, and she didn't uh, have it anymore, and he took the defibrillator out, thank God. Because I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody who's had a defibrillator go off. It is horrible. It's like a you know moose kicking you in the chest. Really? So how bad is your AFib? Do you feel it? Do you feel weak, dizzy? Do you feel your heart racing, pumping, jumping? Okay. Well, you know, listen to your doc. Maybe, just maybe he or she will say, let's wait a little bit or let's do nothing as long as the rate's controlled. But the other thing is to ask your physician whether going on dofetilide uh, and then having a cardioversion. Okay. Yeah. A simple card. We used to do that all the time. Yeah. Um, you put somebody to sleep and then you hook them up to the pads and you give a shock. So you got several options. Talk to your physicians about what's the best one for you. Good luck to you, James. Yeah. Thank you very Let much. Let us know we'll, what happened. We'll pick up with Bill and Wendell and Bob in North Raleigh in just a moment. Awesome. And your phone calls, 919-860-9783. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. And we've got Bill in Wendell. Bill, welcome to the show. You are on with Dr. Weefald. Hi. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. What's uh, up? A couple of questions. Sure. Medical, one not. Uh, sometime back, and I don't know, you know, I can't, how long is sometime back, earlier this year, late last year, mm-hmm. uh, you made a kind of an offhand comment. You were talking about heart as usual. You know, that's your business. Yeah. And uh, you made a comment that, uh, if you have shortness of breath and sweat a lot, you're in trouble. Could be. And I just wondered what you're in trouble means. Okay, could be in trouble. Um, sweatiness is one of the symptoms of a heart blockage that we really don't pay attention to. Um, it's called diaphoresis. That's the medical term. 
And um, we really don't know why, but a lot of times, not just, and sometimes you don't have chest discomfort, but shortness of breath when you walk accompanied by sweatiness could be a sign that you've got a significant blockage. And I recommend anybody who has shortness of breath and sweatiness uh, with exertion or, you know, just every now and then get your heart checked out because it's, it could be uh, you have a what we call a typical symptomatology. Now, when I was in med school, what did we learn? Hmm. Uh, heart attack symptoms were mid-sternal chest discomfort, sometimes radiating to the left arm, accompanied yeah. by shortness of breath, nausea, and diaphoresis. So those are the classic signs and symptoms. And, you know, I would say I've probably seen that three times. Really? <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. But it's much more common not to have the constellation of those symptoms, but to have one or two. Um, I've seen a heart attack that was jaw discomfort. The guy thought he was having a toothache. I've seen a heart attack as somebody who just got profoundly dizzy at one time. Um, but diaphoresis, sweatiness, uh, especially with shortness of breath with exertion, I, I think anybody who has that should have their heart checked out. Okay. Good. Uh the other question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do remember this. It was last week. I thought I heard you say uh, the drug cartels coordinate with the U.S. government on when and where to bring drugs across. You better believe it. And I just, do you? you really yeah, I'll explain it. Okay, so, so right now the cartel controls all of the people who are moving across our southern border. They get them into groups. These are people who march from El Salvador, and Mexico lets them in, and then they all march to the border, and the cartel corrals them, and the cartel charges each one of those people $5,000. Okay, do you know it's billions? Pretty soon it's going to be a trillion dollars that the cartels are collecting. Now, they're fighting each other. There are several of them, but I, I think that I can't remember the name of the cartel who's winning. Now, the Border Patrol had so much trouble with not being able to know when these people are coming over that they sent somebody over to the cartel with waving a white flag and said, let's get together and talk about when to bring these people over. Now, they know that the cartel is also forcing for your your 5,000 bucks, not only that, you got to take these pills of fentanyl over with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Drug Enforcement Agency and the Border Patrol know they're doing it. Now, every now and then for show, they'll take some off of somebody and say, look what we found. We're being a really good, doing a really good job. But if you look at our kids and our young adults who are dying of fentanyl overdoses, it's skyrocketing. And it's ridiculous that they're even, they even thought about working with the cartels uh, to bring these people over. The cartels are making five times as much money now um, because of this uh, setup to bring these uh, illegal aliens over uh, carrying uh, the fentanyl. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, you can look it up. Google it. Cause it's, I'm not making this up. It's, it sounds unbelievable. It, right, Google it, it does, doesn't it? Google it. Cartels working with the uh, uh, the um, Border Patrol. Bill, thank you very much. This is Heart Health Radio. Bob 
in North Raleigh. Welcome to the show, Bob. How are you doing today? We're doing all right. How about you? I'm doing good and bad. Little all right. Well, bad. tell us tell us about both. Well, I talked to Dr. Weepalls uh, two weekends ago, uh, Saturday, two weeks ago, told him I was having an ablation surgery. Yes. And he explained it to me in detail. Had the ablation surgery over two. Uh, it went very well. However, I woke up with a headache. Hmm. And I haven't had a headache in 20, 25 years. Had a headache for three days. Uh, took some Tylenol. It helped a little bit, but not all that much. And then woke up Monday morning. It was gone. At least I thought it was gone. Right. And for the last, since Monday, I've had intermittent headaches. Yesterday, I didn't have much of one. But this morning, I woke up and everything was fine. But you know, about two or three hours ago, I started having another headache. Okay. And I'm just wondering if that's is that normal after after having ablation surgery. Uh, it is not normal, and there is one particular situation that can be leading to a headache in you that needs to be looked at by your physicians, and that is a hole in the heart. Um, mm. And let me tell you uh, what that means. So. When they do an ablation, um, they go across the right atrial, left atrial border. Uh, it's called the septum. And they poke a hole mm-hmm. um, through there, and they guide that with an ultrasound. So it's not like they're just blindly poking. They go through that septum so they can reach the areas of afib ablation, which are on the left side of the heart. Okay. So what we know is that if that hole doesn't close, there can be flow from the right side to the left side. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes people who have a natural hole there called an atrial septal defect get migraine headaches. And they think it's because, you know, there's a lot of garbage that comes from your body uh, after the blood has gone through, chemicals and stuff. And the lung seems to filter them. So the right heart and the right atrium, they feed the blood to the lung to get the oxygen. But it's also a filtration mechanism. So if you have a residual hole in the septum from where they poked it through, then that could be a reason uh, for it. Now, the other thing is that 0.5 0.5 to 2% of people who have an ablation develop migraines. And we don't know why. So it's just a very uncommon but well-known side effect. So I would recommend that you go to your physician and say, am I one of those rare people with a residual hole in the heart leading to these headaches? Or have I developed new onset migraines that I didn't have before Mm. and need to be treated for migraines. Um, And those are the two things that I would look at. But yes, I think your headaches are associated with your procedure. And yes, I think you need to have it investigated as to whether there's a hole, a residual hole, or never went away between the right and left atria Mm. and whether or not you've got new onset migraine headaches. 
these migraines continue, or will they ever go away? Uh, sometimes they go away, but sometimes they don't. I treat migraines. Um, everybody says you're just a heart doctor, but you know what? I've mm. had three people have strokes from their migraines. Because remember, a migraine is when <coughs> excuse me, one artery or several arteries constrict, and then others dilate. And that extra blood flow and the, re, the, you know, messing around with the blood flow can lead to a headache. But when you constrict an artery, you're reducing the amount of blood to a certain part of the brain and it can cause a stroke. So migraines need to be treated. Um, the more intense your headaches, the more intense therapy you need to have your migraines treated. And with these new medications, it's miraculous. Okay. We used to have all sorts of crazy meds that didn't work or sometimes worked and had horrible side effects. We've got great drugs for migraines now that prevent C, uh, calcitonin gene-related peptide from messing up your headaches. Bob, I wish you uh, luck. I that, uh, of course, I haven't had a, a headache in 25 years, so I don't know uh, what the definition right, of a yeah. migraine let, is. Let me tell you, a migraine comes on. Uh, and there are several types. I had one lady with a migraine who just got bad smells. It, it, migraines can be weird. Mm. But the classic migraine is a headache that's intense on one side of your head. Uh, there, you can have aura, which are uh, flickering things in your vision. Light sensitivity. So even the light bulb uh, mm-hmm. on the, you know, on the uh, ceiling can give you intense uh, discomfort. Um, and it's... It, you know, they can be mild, you right. know, just a mild headache. But I think it's something that um, if you're having headaches after ablation, you need to get them checked out. And they may even send you to a headache doctor, which is fine. There's some great headache doctors in Raleigh. Uh, Raleigh, Raleigh Neurology has a great headache department. Right. And um, But I get this checked out. Okay. Thank you, Bob. Thank you very much, doctor. Hey. All right, good luck to you. It's, t- it's terrible to hear when somebody has gone through what was a necessary treatment for one thing yeah and they end up with something but else. you know what it happens and yeah. you know the doctor didn't do anything wrong uh it just happens hey i i love trivia do you like trivia sure all right uh here's a trivia question uh anybody knows the answer call in yeah how big is your heart what does it compare to all right that's the trivia question and the other one is, is your how hey somebody in the back there is is Trying to give it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right? And that's Mike. He's one of the honchos at WPTF. Anyway, um, how much does your heart weigh? Those are the two questions. How, how big is your heart? How big is your heart? And how much does it weigh? Call in if you think you know the answer. Even though people say I have a big heart, probably you, it's not well, true. Well, you can have a big heart when your heart's diseased. Yeah, yeah, no, my heart, my actual pumping heart, the organ that is my heart runs fine yeah i just have had a plumbing issue yeah and we've straightened that out i should be okay with the the whole heart thing all right there is something that that came up in the news a woman terribly lost both of her hands and i think a foot and she had stepsis yeah now Now, she went into the hospital for something totally different well she had an infection okay okay yeah and so sepsis is caused by the body's response to something called endotoxin. So gram-negative bacteria, that just means E. coli, Klebsiella, things like that. Yeah. Urine infections, 
Um, you can also have exotoxin from staph aureus. Right. And what it does, these toxins affect the arteries and cause them to not function right. Right. And so your arteries dilate, your blood pressure falls, and in response to that, your body puts out adrenaline and the small arteries, the smaller arteries constrict, mm-hmm. trying to keep your blood pressure up. And then what happens? You get gangrene because of no blood flow and mm. amputations mm. and die. Right. So when I'm, I want everybody to be educated uh, if to the signs of sepsis, okay? Because unfortunately, there are still physicians, because sepsis is so rare, that they don't recognize it. So right. suppose your loved one's in the hospital. Uh, classic situation is they fell uh, while hiking yeah. and a branch punctured their thigh. Hmm. And they're in the hospital. They got a big wound. They're on antibiotics. And you can tell, telltale signs. Okay, number one. They don't look right. They're pale. Yeah. Okay. They just, you know, they just look blah. And, and they want to, you know, oh, I've had an injury. I just don't feel good. Uh, a low blood pressure. And it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, surprisingly low. Just lower than normal. Mm-hmm. A fast heart rate. Okay. So you came in with a resting heart rate of 70. It's now 95. Yeah. A low blood pr- uh, uh, temperature. Okay, not not high, although a high temperature can indicate an infection. Sepsis is also is often accompanied by a low blood pressure. Now, this is another key thing: a low urine output. Uh, if you're not peeing, uh, that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because even if you don't drink fluid, you're gonna pee because your body has to produce urine. It, it, it's a fundamental thing. Even if you're not drinking a lot of water, you have to produce urine because that's removal of toxins from your body. Okay. So if you're not peeing, that's, you know, all those things together. If you see this, just say to the nurse, is my loved one septic or are they approaching sepsis? And keep pounding away until the heart rate is normal, the right. blood pressure is normal, the temperature's up to normal. Oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, uh, cold extremities of fingers, blue, yeah. Yeah. cold. This is, these are all signs mm. together of sepsis. Do not hesitate to look for them and don't let a nurse or a physician poo-poo you, okay? No, 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 no. Yeah, don't let it happen. You got to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. There, there are things only you know about your own behavior. Yeah, and say, this and is life. not normal. My, but when I had the staph infection on my foot, yeah. which was a minor scratch yeah. and turned bad in a couple of days, my daughter, who's a nurse, said, Dad, you're just not acting right. right. You're just not responding the way you should. Yeah. You look like you're punky like you've got the flu yeah and and on the radio you said making your heart great yeah it's exactly right I couldn't, radio. I couldn't remember the name of the radio show <laughs> i was doing thank you for listening to the dave alexander show uh here is joe in raleigh hey joe hello joe dave yes what's Yo, up joe hey um this is memorial day weekend i'd like yes. to give put Absolutely. out a big thanks for all the service individuals um, that served and, and gave the ultimate price for our yes. freedoms. Yes. I've got an uncle that was buried is buried in France 
uh, as of August of 1944, mm. as part of the uh, uh, invasion in Normandy. Right. He made it through D-Day, and what he got in in Normandy, he died, or did he make it through Normandy too? No, he uh, actually. Uh, my grandmother received a letter saying he was MOA, uh, missing in action, right. uh-huh. uh, MOA, and uh, then eventually uh, they sent the uh, the you know the party that comes to visit, right? Uh, when they declare the uh, deceased. Uh-huh. Right. So anyhow, I'd you know. We we owe a lot to those individuals. Right. Uh, yes, we owe our freedom. Very good. Have you uh, been to yeah. Normandy? I'm sorry? Have you been there? No, I haven't. Oh, let uh, me tell you. Let me Saint, tell you. I, St. If, James. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's worth the trip. Um, yeah, I I am a true patriot. Um, the armed services my family served. I did not, which I regret. I've been to Normandy twice. Um, I know a lot about what happened there. Uh, 2,500 people died on the beaches of Omaha Beach within, you know, several hours. Um, I, can you imagine? Uh, it wasn't very far. They were a couple hundred yards away and sometimes less looking down, looking up at these pillboxes that were just firing off right. hundreds of rounds of bullets. And they, they ran into those um, beaches to try to liberate um, the country of France from tyranny, and they were brave, brave Americans who gave up their lives. And yeah, just this, imagine, this disaster, but they, yeah, you know, they had they they it, it's, you just can't describe it. You can't. We just we just have to be thankful, yeah, right, for what they've done. Yeah. But, uh, the other thing is, I like to contribute to the uh, the, the challenge. Yes. I the uh, size of the heart. heart Supposedly, is about the size of your fist. You got it. All right. Ta-da. Now, how much does it weigh? Come on. Come on. You can do it. <laughs> uh, you got me Compare there. it to. I, I, I can't tell you. Two baseballs. Two baseballs. Oh, yeah? Yeah, really? two baseballs. All right, we're yeah. going to give you one more chance here <laughs> to get two out of three. By the way, Joe, what? there is no prize. There is no prize Yeah, the prize at is Not that at all. Yeah, it's There's a pat on the back. Nothing. Which day of the week do people have more heart attacks? Okay, which day of the week are substantially more heart attacks, actually? Yeah. Isn't it Monday? Yes! You did it! Good for you. Dun, da, da, da. Now, Thank you, Joe. Okay, I'll give you was, one more. Was, no, you can't give him one more. Uh, All right. No, at least no, one more person least, waiting. Was, Joe, thank uh, you very much for the phone call and the reminder. Okay, well, he's hung up. Thank you, Joe. I do appreciate it. We've got uh, uh, no more trivia questions, but I got Marie in Raleigh who's waiting. We'll t- talk with her in just a moment. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Franklin Weefald and we've got Marie from Raleigh. Hi, Let's Marie. Let's shout out Marie. Hey, Marie. Hey. What's this, up? Is this the uh, Dave Alexander show? No, it is not. But oh, thank you for calling. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, anyway, Marie. Thank yeah. you. Bless you. Uh, well, <clears throat> I heard this man call in about sweating. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's a sign. Well, that's how I picked up your, your blockage. I Remember that? I had, and it took three doctors to go. I finally mm-hmm. went to get my... 
uh, thyroid check, and he told me, he said, you need a stress test. I said, well, I had a catheterization. He said, you need a stress test. So yeah. I, it's when I called you, but yeah. it does. I mean, I had a cold sweat for a right good while. And I just want to tell, don't take it lightly. And somebody else had told me, too, that um, if uh, I ever broke out in a cold sweat to get to the doctor. So it happened with me. And Dr. Weefall, he's just the one that did it. He always caught me at things. Terrific. Thank you, Marie. Mm-hmm. I Love you. I'm so glad it. you're doing well. All right. You got about a minute to introduce yeah. the... Well, uh, it's Memorial Day, and, and I am a patriot of the United States. My mother came here with $50 in a dream. My dad grew up in a farm in Minnesota. He served in World War II, mm-hmm. and my uncle served in World War II. And I just want to say this Memorial Day is for our fallen soldiers and the men and women who died for our country. And I want to just give a quote. Uh, it's from a gentleman named Joseph Rodman Drake. And I want to just tell you uh, what he said. And they who for their country die shall fill an honored grave. For glory lights the soldier's tomb and beauty weeps the brave. There is nothing that compares to someone who is willing to lay down their life so that we may have uh, a great life that we have here. Uh, You listen to the radio, you watch the TV, and people say that our country's terrible. It's wonderful. And it's because of these brave soldiers who gave their lives for us. We'll be back next week. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network.
Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.